Welcome to this week's podcast. My guest is Matt Brown, a digital evangelist. Matt Brown, welcome. Great to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Jay Jad. It's such an honor to be with you. I, I was saying just before we started this uh, interview, you're the first digital evangelist I've had on the program. But of course, you're more than that. How would you describe what you do? Yes. Well, when I was uh, uh, in my late teens, I sensed a call to evangelistic ministry. I was at a youth conference here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota in the United States. And I remember there was this evangelist that had come in town from San Francisco and he was doing a great job on the second day of that conference uh, in a church that later became my home church. Uh, first time there, he was talking about people who are far from Jesus and people in our lives who need to know the Lord. And he was talking about God's heart and burden for those people. And as a 17-year-old going on 18, God broke my heart in that service. And I began to weep for my friends and my school that didn't know Jesus. And I sensed God's burden. You know, there was a missionary to India named John Hyde who used to share his faith all the time. And he said that uh, with, our close, with, our, with our acquaintances, we'll share our joys, right? You, you scroll through your Facebook feed and people share their highlights, not their lowlights. In case anyone needed to know that or remember that. All the posts you're seeing are people sharing their big things, their exciting things. But he said, with, with our close friends, we will share our sorrows. Yeah. And the closer we get to God, the more that we have the potential to feel his heart for a broken world and for a world that's far from Christ, far from God, and needs the gospel so much. And that's what I experienced that day. And of course, as a young man, there's no way I would be crying on my own. <laughs> That's not what boys do, right? Absolutely. And so I, I wept and I prayed for my school and God gave me a burden for my school that played out in some ways. But that led into uh, God speaking to my heart during that service saying, Matt, I'm calling you to be an evangelist. Now, Jay John, I had grown up as a real church kid. Yes. My parents were elders and volunteers. And every time the church was open, we were there. Uh, but God said, man, I want you to go reach the people who are outside the church, the people who are far from Jesus. That what le- That's what led me into my journey. Amazing. Now, sometimes, Matt, we're reluctant, aren't we, to use the word revival or spiritual awakening. But but at that time in your school, you actually did see signs of a spiritual awakening. Yes. Oh, it was unbelievable. And this was all around the time that God called me. There was actually some uh, students from a different denomination and evangelists had come in town and preached uh, at their church and revival had started to break out and they'd started this youth kind of youth uh, worship night for the high school. And I heard about it and I had been at that time in high school trying to hold a Bible study. Uh, sometimes there'd be three people, you know, and of course you're asking kids to get up early and come before school to the Bible study, but I'm trying to be in light in my school. And there would be times we'd have donuts and orange juice and we'd have 10 people. That was that was exciting. Yes. <laughs> we we bribed them with food. But uh, I heard about this worship night and I thought, wow, that's amazing. It was at this small coffee house in downtown Delano, Minnesota. 
And at that time, there was probably 60 students starting to go to that. That was huge for how many students we had in our school, which is only a couple, you know, it was only about 600 students in the high school, maybe the elementary school as well, middle school as well. And so I went to it and the presence of God was so strong. I ended up starting to be a part of the worship team, the band. At that stage of my life, I was playing a lot on worship teams. And it grew and, and we didn't have space in that coffee house, J. John. There was students that were coming in and there was no room. So they'd go, it was, a sm- it was a small building, by the way, but there was no room. So they'd go back to where they'd stock the food. And there'd be, there'd be like 10 students over, like couldn't even see the band over there, but there was a little space. And mind you, this is in Minnesota and some of this was in the winter. And then there'd be students who'd come in, there's no room even there. So they're just standing at the door, they're hanging out outside to be a part of this worship. So we said, we need space. And at this point, there was, it was just students. There was no pastor. There was no uh, leader for this. And we didn't know what we were doing at all. And so we asked the, the, the principal of the high school who had come to Christ at a Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames at our church because he respected my older brothers and their faith. So when my mom invited him, he went, gave his life to Christ. He was in, I think, in his mid-60s not lived for God at all, came to faith in Jesus through that play. Amazing. So he said, hey, we, we, we said, could we, could we come to the public high school auditorium? Yes, you can come. So he, he vouched for us and he got us in. We came to the public high school auditorium at that point. And for the next several, uh, the next several years, there was four to 600 students that would gather in the public high school auditorium for a worship night that we called Monday Night Jam. But the presence of God in those services, Jay John was yes. so strong that I still several decades later compare ministry to what happened then and what we experienced then. And Jonathan Edwards said this, he said, revival is an acceleration and an intensification of the normal work of the Holy spirit. And so we know as believers, when you get together for church, when you worship, you sense God's presence when you honor him, when you worship him, when you glorify him, when you read the word, when you worship together, when the gospel is preached, you sense the presence of God. And revival's just more of that. Revival's just greater things. And God can always surprise us and do greater things in our lives when we Absolutely. least Absolutely. And as you say, there's kind of more of an intensity and an acceleration. Now, I know that you do a number of different things, Matt, but one of the things that really impresses me is that you're gathering, you've been gathering, and you're gathering more and more young people to fast. Tell us about that. So, moving on, I, I was passionate about prayer. I've always loved prayer. I love prayer. You know, I want to be a person of, of much prayer and of secret prayer. And I've just, it's changed my life. Uh, but I haven't been a person of much fasting. <laughs> you know, fasting, what do we see in fasting? We're denying ourselves. It doesn't seem fun, right? And the, the reward is definitely not immediate. I can say that. It is later. God always rewards us when we seek him. The Bible promises us that. But uh, my, my best friend who's a pastor in Minnesota of a small rural church, is a prayer warrior. He's in the Southern Baptist, but he had uh, a life-changing transformation when his marriage was struggling. His ministry was weak and discouraging years ago. And he, he heard about Ronnie Floyd in Arkansas 
seeing revival in his church after 40 days of fasting and prayer. And he read a book by Jensen Franklin about fasting. And he's, 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 he's in seminary, he's pastor, but he was discouraged. And the next day, J. John, he said, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. And he started, no, I wouldn't recommend people set out to do that. But all that to say, we can all fast in different ways. And so I knew that it had changed his life. It completely transformed his life. He, he, when you talk to him to this day, you say, nobody talks like you. You have a, you have a connection to God that I, that I am just amazed by, right? Because you, you're fasting and you're praying. So all that to say, I'm getting into the story. He, he calls me up. He's been on a vacation with his family in July of 2019. And he says, Matt, I feel like we're supposed to call a million young people to fast and pray as we enter into the roaring twenties, <laughs> which I'm like, well, that's powerful. What, where did this come from? And I was like, you sound like you've been on a prayer retreat, not a vacation. This is crazy, but sometimes God uses vacations. And so I'm going, well, how can we do that? That's crazy. That's a big call. That's, I mean, it would be embarrassing, Jay John, if we only get 10 young people to yes. pray, pray with us. And so we're thinking about it in the fall. We're going, we have no resources to do something this big. There's no way, but we couldn't shake it this feeling like, of course, we're supposed to do this. We have to do this. We ended up actually getting a, a call with Jensen Franklin uh, because he's, he's a real leader in fasting and he encouraged us very much. And we did do the call. We, we invited a million young people to fast and pray. And our thought was, we're not going to try to track it, but let's just try to at least invite a million young people. And we did. We invited over a million young people through different methods and strategies, including digital, and the response was that there was churches all over the country that were joining us. Part of the thought was, Jay Daniel, love the strategy of this. We said, if we can get 10,000 fast leaders, people across the nation that say, I'm going to invite my town or my city to fast and pray. And if each of those will invite 200 people in their town or city, whether they invite one mega church and they announce it on a Sunday or whether they message different churches in town or then we could literally invite 10 or 1 million young people. And so it's so all that to say, it was really powerful. I've never seen something in ministry that was more powerful and it really stirred my heart to fast. I really enjoyed it. I was stirred by it. I began reading more on fasting. And we said, that was so fun and so amazing. Let's do this again every year in the 20s. And we just, of course, the Roaring 20s, is a throwback to the 1920s, which is called the Roaring 20s. But we said, we felt really strongly that the 2020s was going to be a time where God, who is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, will roar his glory over this generation. We sense that revival is coming. We sense that spiritual awakening was coming. And, and then and the, so Matt, we didn't so, know what was going to happen, by the way, two months later. We had no, no idea, but fasting will prepare you for hard things. And, and different people did different things. Like maybe some fasted from food, some fasted yes. from other things. And some did a day or a weekend and some did longer. Exactly. exactly. We just encourage people to fast however God leads them. You know, fasting is hard. You got to be you know, wise about it and careful about it for a young person. Talk with your parents, talk with your doctor, like and things like that. But for me, what I would do is several days of full food fasting, no, no food. Uh, and then I would do 21 days. We always encourage kind of a 21 day period to be the time somewhere in there where you'd fast. I would do the Daniel fast, which is just you know, uh, 
you're not getting the sugar that you normally get in your life and things like that, which is it. You feel that as well. Yes. Or people could do a, a social media fast or a media fast, all of I those know. different types of things. But I think the the biblical framework is to do some sort of food fast, right? Absolutely. So what are some of those biblical fasts? And yeah. it is very powerful. Uh, during the first lockdown that we had over here in England, um, our youngest son, Ben, he moved back in with us. And we decided, he and my wife, Killy, and I, We'd have a meal on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. And then we wouldn't eat till Thursday. And we did that every week for three months. And instead wow. of eating, we would meet to pray. And then we would end it with Holy Communion. Do you know, it was, hmm. for me, and I think for my wife, Killy and Ben, it was the highlight of the lockdown that we hmm. did this and prayed and, and, you know, we prayed for all sorts of things. But it, it's so true. There is great power in prayer and in fasting. Now, you oversee a ministry called Think Eternity. I love yes. the title. Love the title. Tell us more about that. Well, there's this uh, British evangelist who came over to America named Leonard Ravenhill, right? And he wrote all these books about revival and was very unique. Well, he talked about in his books how his prayer was that God would set eternity before his eyes, that he would filter his life and think and live for stuff that God values, that matters in the long run. And that always impacted me. And so uh, that was the reason. That was why we decided, you know. I remember one of my friends back in Bible college, after reading that, took a piece of cardboard and he wrote eternity on it and he just put it on his desk. And so it's just this, hey, now it's an evangelistic ministry. What we're doing is trying to reach people with the gospel and share powerful faith content that will help people because so much content these days does the opposite. But we want to help people obviously, you know, think with eternal perspective. And we want to do that ourselves as well. And so that's really where it came from. Absolutely. And you are very creative, Matt. And uh, I introduced you as a digital evangelist. Tell us more how do you communicate the gospel? Yeah, I love that. And you asked this earlier and I didn't quite get to the answer. So let me let me go back for a moment. When I sensed the call to ministry, it was before social media had really taken off. So this is going back several decades ago. I didn't know social media was going to be around. I didn't have a vision of preaching on my phone to people. But uh, that, you know, as, as what happened for me is I was actually kind of a late bloomer. My older brother is a pastor and he was forcing me onto some of these social media networks when they first came around. I'm like, well, what's the use of this? I don't know. And then I quickly realized I can share articles on here and I can, I can start to kind of share some faith stuff on here. And I'm going, this is exciting. This is awesome. I can use this for ministry very quickly. And so, you know, I was slowly getting on these platforms, but not as quick as anyone else, but I loved how I could utilize them for the Lord. And so that kind of, that's set me on a journey, J. John, where I feel that, that yes, digital ministry, digital evangelism, a big part of it. And what that means for me is I will share content about Jesus all the time. And anyone can do this, by the way, anyone listening, watching that you can, you can have a ministry through your circle of friends online. And you can share not just how cool you are, how awesome you are, how amazing, how your family's perfect on Facebook, but you could also share how Jesus 
uh, changes everything. And so, you know, that, that for me is kind of what's been this journey. But then part of that has been like, how can I explicitly though, share the message of the gospel through videos, through advertising on digital media, through influencers, through different platforms that I feel that I could be on. And so that, that for me is kind of what it's been. And we set a vision a year and a half ago, a five-year vision that we said, we want to, we want to do digital gospel presentations to 20 million people. And so we were doing these different methods. And last year, Jay John, we were able to share the gospel with 35 million people. That's in incredible. One year. Go on. But how did you do that? And how did you reach so many people? So it's been a long journey, right, of growing our platform to share Christ. So that's part of it. But it was also primarily through digital ads, sharing the gospel. And then it was through paid influencers, people with lots of influence who've partnered with us to share the gospel through their pages and to share some of this content. And we point people, of course, to our website, thinky.org slash gospel. And then they start a journey if they let us know that they made a decision with Christ then we start to give them discipleship resources, materials, get them a Bible, get them into a local church, of course. And so that's just basically how it's come. Now, let me share one piece to this as well. And I think you'll love this. So I had a friend uh, who I wrote a book with called Chosen, 30 Days of Devotions to Remind Your Heart of the Gospel. It was different yes. aspects of what the gospel does in our life. And uh, I was uh, going to visit Colorado Springs for our publisher with this friend. And he shared with me, he said, Matt, there's this research study that's been done. This huge research study called the great opportunity. And he said that they found in this study that if, if five steps are taken by the church, then potentially 20 million young people could either come to faith in Christ or could remain in the church and not get disconnected as they get older from the church. And there were some of the things that you'd think of, church planning, right? We know that church planning is really important in evangelism. Innovative discipleship materials, we know that that's important. But one of the statements he said to me at that time, and the reason he was telling me this, was they found in the study, this is the phrase that they used, the world needs more digital Billy Grahams. Yes. And he goes, Matt, you're doing this. You're a, you know, you, this, you're a digital evangelist. You're doing this. This is, he saw that I was, God was helping us be effective in some way. And so I, I took that with me and God put on my heart, well, we love what we're doing and that's great, but we need to raise up others. And so God put this burden on our heart to raise up a thousand digital Billy Grahams. And so what we've been trying to do is in all these friendships that we have with young leaders whose platform is blown up on YouTube, whose platform is blown up on TikTok, all over, JJ, it's crazy. I, I'm meeting people like this like every week and it, it's maybe just God just has us on this journey or something. And what we're trying to do with strategic ones is say, how can you be effective for Jesus on those? How can you, how can you strategically share the explicit gospel message so that people could come to saving faith in Jesus Christ through those? Let me just give you one example. Yes, we did this please. gathering last summer and we called it the DBG Summit. Uh, of course, we want to honor and respect the Billy Graham Association. We're not the Billy Graham Association. We're just some small ministry over here in the Twin Cities. And we love them and we honor Billy Graham and all of them. But the DBG Summit, we had Lee Strobel with us, Daryl Strawberry, the famous baseball player, and others at this small gathering of influencers. Well, the worship leader had this amazing testimony that he uh, had grown up in a home that, that he had become an atheist, 
disconnect from his faith, started to use drugs. And in his 20s, someone gave him a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. And he said, it was a miracle I even accepted the book. That was the first miracle. (laughs) He has drugs beside his bed. It's three in the morning. He's reading The Case for Christ and he gets radically saved by Jesus. So much so that his story, he was instantly set free from all of his addiction. He began to get discipled over the next few years and he's an incredibly gifted musician. He became a worship leader. His name is Stephen McWhorter. I didn't know him, but I loved his stuff. I called him one day to come do ministry with me, to get to know him and invite him uh, to something at the Lee Strobel Center in Colorado Christian University. I had no idea of his testimony. He goes, you know my story, don't you? I have no idea your story. All that's to say, this led down, there's more to this story that's crazy, but this led to him coming to this gathering. He's leading worship for the first time with Lee Strobel. They're doing ministry together. Super ridiculous that I got to be a part of this connection. But he was very inspired. Now, he has a great ministry. He'll go lead worship at churches, and lots of people get saved when they hear his testimony because it's just so powerful. God is using him. But he said, I want to use my plat- my social media, my platform online for Jesus. I want to be better at it. A few months later, J. John, one of his worship songs goes viral overnight on TikTok. And he goes from 1,000 followers on TikTok to 30,000 followers overnight. This is after our event last year. After God has put this on his heart, he's inspired by this. And he goes, okay, well, I guess you have to have like some certain amount of followers and you can start to go live. So he goes, I'm going to start to go live and lead worship and share my testimony invite people to accept Christ. He started doing that a couple nights a week. People are responding. They're putting comments that they want to give their life to Christ. So all he's doing is- And over the last six months, 32,000 people have indicated decisions of faith in Jesus through his TikTok lives. So he's leading worship and just telling his testimony. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And he he was seeing great things when he was going to churches, but this led into this thing where it's like, every one of his platforms is just exploding. Like his Facebook has gone from, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 to like 300,000 in the last six months. And it's almost like God's hand is just on him, but also he's using it for Jesus. That's all that he cares about. And I would just say, listen, it's great to post about your life, your family and all those things, but God can use you to our listener, to our viewer. God can use you. And maybe he's giving this conversation to you to speak to you right now that he wants to use you to lead someone to Jesus or maybe more than one. You just Absolutely. never know, but be faithful. But I think, I think the thing is, I'm reminded of um, the little boy offering his bread and fish to Jesus. Yes. So basically, it's just offering to Jesus what you've got and he can take it and multiply it. And that's what yes. you're seeing. So you're, yes, exactly. you're hugely encouraged that oh, yeah. there is an engagement with probably something in the region of 6 billion people who don't go to church. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. 100%. Well, you, Matt, you've certainly um, inspired us and, and, and challenged a global audience. And if we all do something, just as a result of this conversation, the gospel's going to spread. I don't want to finish this conversation, Matt, without mentioning your book. Please, you've got a copy there, haven't you, Matt? Yes. Now, so I have, and I love yes. the title, I Truth Plus Love. Now, tell us about that. Yeah. So this uh, this book has been in my heart for years. Uh, Truth Plus Love: The Jesus Way to Influence. And 
for me, it was, it was based off of Ephesians where he says, you know, speaking the truth in love. And when you look at truth in the scripture, it's all over, right? It's, it's, you come to faith in Christ and you know, like my life is being transformed by truth. I now have to live by this truth that God brings into my life through his word. But we know we're also called to love. There's so many scriptures about love. And so I set on this journey to write about based off of that verse and based off of Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit. And the thought I had, J. John, and, and it, this was revelatory for me because early on in ministry, I was pretty intense. I was pretty fiery. I had a passion for God and for the gospel and for holiness and all that stuff is good. But what I felt like God was revealing to me over the years of ministry was that the fruit of the spirit is really the framework for what it means to grow more like Jesus. Because you can be intense and not be Christ-like. But the fruit of the spirit, what is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You can't grow in those ways in your flesh. You can't grow in those ways in your own power. And what I started to realize, and this is what I share in the book, is that if you, if you couple God's truth with love, and people are drawn to God's truth through your love for them. If people see the, the joy you have in the Lord, they're drawn to you and then to God's, you can point them to God's truth that changes your life, the message of Jesus. If people see your kindness and your gentleness, and I just started to realize whether it's in person or online, we need to filter what we say and how we live and do our best. And I'm not always perfect at this, I'll say. Because when you write a book, you really get challenged in of that topic. Of course you do. <laughs> well, you've got so to practice begin, what you preach. Yes, Absolutely. yes. And, and you, you see kind of the wrestling you go through as you write. But I, what, I, what I desire so greatly, J. John, is to grow in this. Because I think if of we course. grow in, in love, joy, and truth, definitely, we'll, we'll be effective for the gospel. Now, the truth has its own power. God's word has its own power. We can't move away from God's word or areas of God's word. We need to, because when we, when we, when we follow God's word, we're con- that's the power source. That's the cord plugged into the wall of electricity of God's power in our lives, right? So that, that truth is important. That will change people. But God meant for it to be built alongside of love and joy and peace and gentleness. And when you couple those things together, you become more influential in your home. And here's, here's where I would say, the last thing I'd say about this is, I've never met someone who's full of love and joy and peace, someone who's an encourager who doesn't have a lot of friends. When you walk in those ways, who doesn't want to be around someone of like course. that? And where we really need to start, J. John, is at home. Of we have course. to start when we're trying to be a person of love, joy, and peace with our spouse, with our children, you know, with our, if you have grandchildren, with our, our relatives. And then we work our way into our neighborhood and into our community and our workplace and then to the whole world. And so God wants us to represent him well. And when you look at the fruit of the spirit, that's the character of God. He's asking us to walk like him. And so that's where that's where this comes from. Brilliant. God wants us to represent him well. That's it. It really is. And you're doing that, Matt. It's wonderful that you're a you're not just a digital evangelist. You are an evangelist, but definitely uh, an effective digital one. Thank you for the challenge. I want to encourage all of our viewers to go and look at your podcast, which is wonderful. And you have wonderful conversations with amazing people. 
Matt, it's great to talk to you. Great to have you on the program. Thank you for joining us. It's my great honor. Thank you. I hope that's inspired you. Matt Brown, digital evangelist. Well, certainly there was a challenge there for all of us to do what we can with what we have. Thank you for joining us. Please join us again. No one is born a hero. They become one by repeatedly choosing to do what's heroic. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, J. John's brand new coffee table book, continues the testimonies of faith, sacrifice, love, generosity, and perseverance found in Volume 1. Retelling 60 remarkable stories, including inspirational people such as Mahalia Jackson, Brother Andrew, Rasalama of Madagascar, and David Wilkerson, we're reminded that the road to being a hero is to take heroic actions one step at a time. Heroes of the Faith, Volume 2, available now from jjohn.com and other bookshops.